following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Welcome back to another episode of Create Your Shot. I am Tyler Laurie, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host in the city of brotherly love, the happiest city in on the East Coast on this fine Monday evening, Chris Smalls Angelos. And Smalls, when I was editing this podcast, we taped it last week. I believe we taped it on New Year's Eve. But when I was editing it, I said that you were really, really happy because at that time, the Eagles had beaten the Washington Redskins and the Vikings had lost and made the playoffs. And I said, this probably won't matter when this show airs. But the Eagles won last night in a pretty unbelievable game. (laughs) So before we get get to uh, Chad O'Donnell, our uh, guest this week, the uh, head of Capital Elite Agency. Uh, what do what you? What do you? How are you feeling up there, Smalls? How How are you today? Well, uh, Chad knows this. Uh, you know, New England himself. Uh, it's just tough. It's tough to follow Philly. Right. Philly does it again, and uh, it's a tough, tough bill to follow here. But the Eagles got it done. I was pumped. Uh, my family, everyone, the city. Everyone's really juiced. This is Nick Foles' magic. Now, I know Nick Foles didn't have the greatest game, but again, he came up clutch. Uh, and then we got a little help. We need, we need that little magic. It was kind of like last year when, um, you know, this year, Cody Park, he blew the game. Last year, it was, uh, who was it? Steve Sarkeesian blew the game because he just kept throwing fade routes up to Julio Jones. So that was great. So I got a text. I got a text from you this morning at... Uh... 3:50 a.m. my time. Yeah, so that would be four. That would be 4:50 a.m. your time. I, I certainly did not wake up for it, but that said, couldn't stop watching the kick and NFL replay. So my question, Smalls, and you worked a full day today. <laughs> did you go to sleep when the game ended and when you sent that text, or did you just wake up at 4:50 a.m. this morning? Just it was like Christmas morning. I mean, I got a little sleep for sure, but uh, I was just watching. I went through Twitter and Instagram and any. YouTube, watching NFL replay. I saw everything. I saw like every video I could before I went to sleep. And then I woke up and I saw that there was like a zoomed in video that the field goal was tipped and blocked. That made me feel a little better for Cody Parkey. But yeah, I got I got everything involved. Everything was involved and I was rolling this morning. Let's be honest. You don't. You do not care about how Cody Parkey feels today. I, I, mean, I, I just. I, you're just a fraud. You're I a fraud. don't want him to be Steve Bartman, man. Like that's what I worry about. Like Chicago's brutal, and this at least gives him some solace. Like that it was blocked. Now it might have been off anyway, but field goal was blocked, so it might not have been his fault. I'm. I'm just pumped. We're going on to the next round. Uh, you know, Sean Payton. You ran up the score. Now you're going to get put in your place. It was a bad idea to do that because karma's a bitch, and we're going to come back. We're going to beat the Saints. We're going to roll who's ever next. I hope it's the Cowboys. I want to eat their heart. And then Super Bowl's a lock. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clip this, and I'm going to send it to at Old Takes Exposed just to make sure that, that we have this on record. Good. But we can't talk about the Eagles all, all day. We will talk about the Eagles later this week. Free ads. Uh, Chad, o, Chad O'Donnell Smalls, actually an awesome guest, a guy that was recommended to us by a couple different people. and. Someone, I tweeted this out tonight, but it, it, coaches, if you don't know how to get a ne- your next job or you're trying to figure out what your next job should be, 
I mean, this interview is what you should listen to because, I mean, we could have talked to him forever because it's just stuff that you think about when you're younger and you just have no idea, Smalls. And like, I, I mean, there was a couple different times where I was like, what about this? What about this? Because even, you know, at my age now, and I'm not that old, you just don't know how to go into an interview with an athletic director. You think you're fine and then you figure out like you had no shot, yeah, right? But, I mean, like just to listen to this podcast, like you said, and, and Chad will tell you this, he's not going to work with everybody exclusively, obviously. Uh, just can't do that. The bandwidth isn't there. But listening to this podcast is basically free advice for all you young guys out there who were, I wish yeah. I had it. We've said this a million times, but, you know, if this came out – when I was 21 years old and I wanted to get in coaching, I'd be like, okay, this is how I can go into an interview a little more prepared than just kind of, you know, I, I can coach basketball. I got the X's and O's. I'll tell my recruit yeah. kids and, you know, culture, man. <laughs> like that's, I, and I, I don't blame people who think like that because that's how you think when you're young. But Chad gives you a lot of interesting stuff. And I think Tyler can speak to this a little more. You could have talked for hours during this one. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely right about that. And I mean, I can go hours with a lot of different guests, but I think like the biggest reason we did this podcast, and I, I always come back and say things like this, is that when we were younger and, and even now, if we're trying to get back in the profession, you don't know what you don't know. You know, you, you think you're out here and you're on an island and there's not a lot of resources, but there, there are. And, and there are people who know what they're doing better than you. And, and Chad was a 20-year Division One assistant. Uh, most recently, he was the associate head coach at, at Albany. But Robert Morris, College of Charleston, Holy Cross, you know, low D1 kind of tour. And he reps a lot of small college and low D1 guys now. So he knows the academic route. He knows the D3s, knows the D2s, knows the low D1s. I mean, and this is a guy that, you know, the fact remains small is that a lot of people that listen to our podcast, these are the these are the outlets they're going to take early in their career. You know, maybe TJ DeLeo, our guy, is going to get in and right away get a mid-major yeah. job. But not, not many other people. <laughs> not everyone. Yeah, exactly. So it's just to me, like these types of interviews are the most fascinating because it at least gives you some some more research resources. I can't speak tonight. Um, a little bit under the weather, if you can't tell, but it gives you some more resources to be able to make a decision for what you want to do later on in your career or or even sooner in your career. And and the one piece of advice I thought was the best that he gave was, I don't know if you remember the smalls, but he was talking about how after the season, you should walk into your head coach's office and you should be like, hey, do you have 20 minutes? And you should sit down and you should say, what did I do well? What do I need to do better? What can I do yep. to improve and make myself better for the next step? And if your head coach says, meh, you were okay, then you're probably not working for the right guy. But most of the time, you got to be prepared for some criticism because you have to get better. And that was something yeah. that I definitely did not have thick enough skin to do it when I was younger. Uh, I w it would have been really hard to hear things that I was bad at. And it still is sometimes. But if you really want to make it, you, you've got to know. And the other thing I thought was funny, Smalls, and I think you and I as now, you're not quite taken yet, but you, you will be soon. You know, you're, you're on your way to being engaged. He said that like Division One basketball was a single man's game, and I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, and you guys can listen to his kind of comments on it and, and see what you think. But it, it's a it's a lot to put into perspective about what you have to do and how you have to make it. And that that part to me of the interview, I, I was really impressed with how real and how open Chad was about kind of his thoughts on the coaching business. So before we move on, Smalls, and you go back to watching film of the Eagles, do you have anything else to add? <laughs> I got nothing. Personal growth and development in this one. Uh, and then some like eye-opening stuff for younger people in terms of certain jobs you do 
as a volunteer or you sacrifice a little more for because that job's going to get you to where you want to go. Not every job, even if it's paid or if it's a head coaching job at D3, is going to help you get to where you want to be in five, 10 years. So I think that was the one thing I wanted to add and uh, something to look out for and kind of note take in this podcast. Also, one other underrated tip, the uh, right way to order Chinese food if you want to impress somebody. Really good city review. Really Really good city review from a restaurant standpoint. So. Just keep your eye on that because I'm sure we have a lot of people on here that definitely order Chinese food the wrong way. And when you listen, you'll hear. But other than that, uh, as always, we are back on Fridays with Pick and Winners. Uh, just only a couple more shows. Just probably going to go through the Super Bowl. And then I think, Smalls, we're going to do some re uh, not reintroduction episodes maybe or do some Where Are They Now episodes with some of our guests. Catch up with them in the middle of the season. You know, quick 20, 30-minute episodes of how the season's gone, you know, what what they're doing, what they've done differently this year. So I think that's what we're going to replace our lame football winner episodes with. But that's every Friday. I'm on the Underdog NBA show with Zandrick Ellison every Thursday. If you're interested in hearing my thoughts on everything that's going on in the NBA, mostly uh, me crying about the Wizards. And beyond that, we will be back at, at our normal time. As usual, if you rate us five stars and you send me the five-star review, I will send you a koozie uh, free of charge. So you can get at us on Twitter at Create Your Shot. Get at us on Instagram at Create Your Shot Pod. We are Create Your Shot on Facebook and Create Your Shot at gmail.com. Like I said, uh, always open to emails. Uh, always, if you have uh, ideas for people that we should have on the show, if you want to be on the show, you know, shoot us an email. Let us know what you want to see. Uh, if you want to link up at the Final Four, start getting in touch with us because that's going to happen. So everything else is the same as always. I, I appreciate everyone who listens and enjoy this interview with Chad O'Donnell, the head of Capital Elite Agents. Chad O'Donnell, the director and founder of Capital Elite Agency, also a former D1 assistant for 20 plus years. Chad, thanks for joining us. It is New Year's Eve, early in the morning, like we were talking about before we recorded. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. I had a chance to get in the office and get away from my uh, my three young kids for a little bit. And as you know, with vacation, my guys are going nuts. So uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you guys for a little bit. This will be relaxing. Yeah, hopefully we can be therapeutic. I've never been called that, but hopefully. I mean, Smalls is still riding so high. This will actually air next week, so this will be not timely when we are making these jokes. But Smalls is probably riding so high after the Eagles win last night that he might actually be therapeutic for the first time. He's been just a ball of stress the last month, (laughs) and I think it's time for him to relax. Right, Smalls? Yeah, I mean, come on. It's 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 magic. I mean, Nick Falls magic is back. How can you not be riding high right now? There is there is something there. But uh we're going to we'll talk more about the Eagles later. We'll talk about Chad. We we did have a chance to talk a little bit about Capital Elite Agency before you came on, but why don't you break down what you guys do and how you kind of help and prepare coaches? Yeah, you know, basically, you know, I, a lot of people think I'm an agent and and I kind of am an agent, but I'm more a consultant for basketball coaches. And what we really specialize in is advising coaches in all their job areas, making their current job better, 
identifying might be what might be your next opportunity. And then we spend a ton of time helping you put your best foot forward um, when you do start to look at jobs, whether it's fixing your resume, your references, who you're going to use for references, and then uh, a lot of time on your interview skills. And that's the, an area that most guys um, and girls don't, don't work on at all. And then obviously, if you offer a job, we'll help you with your contract as appropriate. Um, you know, we don't get guys jobs, but what we do at Capital E is we increase your chances of getting a job. Yeah. And how did this kind of start? Like Capital Lead Agency, how does that form? Obviously, you have a, a long history and a background that goes 20 plus years in Division One basketball. So how did this all kind of come together? Yeah, great question. I mean, you know, when I first got into coaching, you know, I, I didn't play college basketball, but I really understood the sport. And uh, was that Holy Cross back in, I'm feeling old now, but 99. <laughs> and uh uh, I was helping a guy out who is at a Division three school who I knew when he was trying to get a Division one head job. And he knew I was pretty good at kind of uh, doing resumes and stuff like that. And so I spent about a week meeting with him um, on how he was going to get this Division one job all the way until the day before the job. I'm sitting down with him going over all the questions they might ask. And uh, then he gets the job. Um, you know, I don't get anything for it, but I just enjoy doing it. Um, and about maybe five, six years later, I'm at Albany, and uh, another coach that I didn't even know called me, but through a friend knew I was good at kind of helping guys out in the business. And I met him at the Final Four, and uh, he was able to get a Division One head job uh, with a lot of the advice I gave him, doing his kind of his recruiting book and all that stuff you need nowadays. Um, and then when I got out of the business in 2015, uh, after being at UAlbany for 11 years as the associate head coach, I didn't really know what I was going to do. But guys, a lot of my friends kept calling me and then more and more kept asking for advice. And then finally, Brent Wilson, who's down at SUNY Sullivan as the head coach uh, and a good friend of mine played for me at Albany, was like, hey, you're, you're really good at this. You should charge people for it. <laughs> and so three years ago. I just kind of put together a website and, and, you know, my first couple of clients were just friends of mine. And then a guy, you know, Todd McGinnis called me from Hartwick. Um, and I, you know, I didn't know Todd at all and he was trying to get another job and I helped him throughout the whole process. And he was able to fortunately get Case Western and kind of word spread from there. And now in year three, uh, I'm up to about 40 clients and, uh, have helped numerous guys get jobs and really building it towards a uh, a pretty big agency that hopefully can uh, can help a lot of coaches in this business. You mentioned something pretty interesting on, you know, you just really understood the business and you understood, you know, how everything kind of worked. When did you know you were good at this and how do you kind of, it's a loaded question, but how do you know you're good at something like this in terms of preparing people for interviews and how do you acquire those skills? I, yeah, I do think real quick, sorry, not to cut you off, Chad. I, I do think that's a great question because I think, especially young people, you just get into the business. You're like, all right, I got to take this job. I got to take this job. I got to take this job. Like, how do you rein guys in and how do you teach them? Like, okay, be a little bit more strategic because I mean, the business is so difficult. Yeah, I mean, you know, kind of first of all, you know, I got into it um, and I knew the business because I knew I wasn't a good player. Um, you know, I can remember guys telling me in high school, hey, you should, you know, you're going to be a good player in college. And I was like, 
was like, dude, you've never seen some of the kids outside this area. I, I'm not very good at all. And I always studied the game, though, in terms of coaching. So like in sixth grade, my first book I ever read was Red Hour Back on and Off the Court. And I kind of, you know, would read books about college coaching throughout my life. And when I started advising guys, I realized I was good at it when they would have interviews and they'd come out of those interviews and say, you know, I blew it out of the park. Every question we went over, they asked, and I knew exactly how to answer them. And that kind of gave me the confidence that, to know that I was going in the right direction. And now it's, it's become even more helpful for clients because every time one of my clients interviews for a job or does a phone interview, the first thing they do is call me after with all the questions they were asked. So I have a, a database of, of almost every question that's being asked these days and what the hot questions are and what kind of can be stumbling points for guys. Um, so hopefully that answers kind of what you were looking, you were asking. Did you notice when you, like in 2015, that this market was a little bit, uh, I would say, bare for, especially for smaller college guys? Yeah, I, I didn't in, in, in originally get into it to help the small college guys, but it's, it kind of became a niche that I found that there's really nobody doing what I do. Um, tons of agents in this business that want to help guys making tons of money so they can get a big percentage of their contract. Of course, you want you want 4% of, of $5 million, not 4% exactly. of like $82,000. Yeah, <laughs> or 82. like 90 bucks. Like a week. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have some guys that, that I advise on jobs and they take jobs that are basically volunteer spots. So, um, you know, but my goal is to build this business and help as many guys as I can. And obviously, you know, as as I, we continue to build, there'll be more guys that move up in this profession. And before you know it, I'll be helping out, you know, some bigger name clients that, you know, right now might not be the biggest name. Chad, how much of your time is spent looking for those next candidates? You know, how do you identify who's a good candidate? How do you identify who has the qualities that you kind of want to represent? And then how do you put them in touch with the people they need to be in touch with? If, if you don't mind going too far behind the curtain for us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to be honest with you, right now, most of my clients are, are referrals. Um, and so they're guys that call me. I probably get about two, maybe three people that reach out to me a week that want, uh, that kind of want advice. But I only take guys, um, not to, to be harsh, but I only take guys that, that I think can move. Um, and obviously I let down others in a nice way, but, um, you know, my business is, is based upon finding as many guys that I think can move in this business. It's kind of like the stock market, you know, uh, I'm betting on guys that I think are going to be very successful. So, um, you know, BJ Dunn last year, who was at, mm -hmm. at, uh, Vassar, you know, I, I had followed him for years on, uh, social media and, and really liked kind of how he had kind of positioned himself in this business and uh you know was able to get him as a client and then he was able to get you know Gettysburg this past year so um a lot of it is is just doing a lot of research on who you think is doing the right steps in their career and and who can kind of continue to move on in this business what's your typical day-to-day -day like chad uh right now it's just you know kind of checking on scores uh, talking to clients. Once, once we get to February, I'm on the phone probably, you know, 16 hours a day because I'm talking to coach coaches throughout, 
you know, my, my database of clients that are all trying to position themselves for jobs. Some of them might be actively looking and some of them might be just kind of seeing what's out there. And, you know, it really heats up when I get guys that are uh, interviewing for jobs. So, you know, last year I had, I think, five guys in one week that were all interviewing for head jobs. Uh, two of them were actually interviewing for the same job. And, uh, you know, so I, I'm, I'm spending a ton of time with them trying to help them put their best foot forward. What, I'm, I'm really curious why, when you were an assistant, you were in, you were at Bryant, Holy Cross, CFC, Robert Morris, Albany, all over the place. I mean, did you have different head coaching interviews and stuff? I mean, forgive me for not knowing the answer to this question before I ask. Typically, I'm better than this, but. You no, know, no, no, not at all. You know, I, 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 I've had, I've had head coaching interviews. Um, but where I was in the business, um, you know, I, I, I had some head coaching jobs at smaller colleges that I just wasn't going to take because I won the state division one. And then when I got to Albany, I became the associate head coach, which was a pretty good job. We went to five NCAA tournaments and I, I met my wife and my wife was, uh, decided pretty shortly into, you know, our marriage that, Hey, I don't want to move. And so when that happened, um, it, it became, Hey, where's my exit strategy in this business? Because staying at Albany is not something I can do for the rest of my career. Um, and so eventually, after we went to three straight NCAs in 2015, I, I said, hey, I'm going to step out and, and get out. Um, and, you know, in terms of knowing what people are going to ask, a lot of it is just, you know, knowing the business and, and really doing a lot of studying on kind of what ADs are looking for and, and presidents and stuff like that. Where do you stand on search firms right now? I, it's a little bit of like a hot button issue, and I'm not sure. I mean, they're becoming more and more prevalent, I think. But, you know, I mean, athletic directors are attempting to make their jobs easier. How hard, much harder has that made your job? Well, at the Division two, three level, it's not an issue because schools aren't spending that money. At the Division one level, it's a huge issue. And what people need to understand is when, when an AD gets a job nowadays, he usually gets that job. Through, through a search his, firm. Through yeah. a search firm. So now... His priority becomes, um, when he has an opening, having that search firm used again so that they can so kind of get paid so back so and, then, and then they can go out and try to get a better AD's job. So it's, it's a little bit shady, um, but it, but it you know, also helps you know, some AD's. It's like athletic directors are making like $1.5 million and their job is to hire coaches. I mean, they have other jobs, but it's like your two biggest jobs are like hire the basketball and football coach. And then you go pay someone a hundred thousand dollars to do it. Like what, what are we doing? What are we doing here? Totally. And what they'll say to their presidents and, and, and higher ups is this is going to allow us to do a better search and allow us to vet our candidates more and allow us access um, to coaches without having to actually contact them. And that's the biggest thing. Um, that you see that nowadays, and you know, you just saw it last night. Uh, the Miami football coach retires, and they've already announced who's going to be the next coach. Um, now, I don't think they've actually spoken to that head coach many times because it was all done behind the scenes through their agent and search firms. Yeah, I think when Temple hired Manny Diaz, and obviously Smalls and I are both Temple alums, I think we kind of knew that whenever Mark Richt was done, 
that Manny Diaz, if he was successful at Temple, was going to go right back to Miami. Like he's from right. there, his dad worked there. And so when that news broke last night, I mean, I think it was just a matter of time. They, they knew it right away. And I, I don't blame Manny Diaz at all. You know, it's just kind of how this business works. You, you can go be the head football coach at Temple or you can try to take the U back to what it was before and make a bunch more money. And that's cool because Temple got paid like $6.5 million for having a coach for, you know, two weeks. So not a terrible deal for them, but it's just, it is. That stuff's so interesting, Chad, the the way that like the behind the scenes stuff works, especially or like at the higher levels, because you, 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 you never know how many people are actually contributing to a search, I would guess. Right, right. The thing that I found, especially at the lower levels, is guys don't think about why they're taking a job and what their next job is going to be from there. Um, and that's where I provide a lot of help with guys because, um, you know, I'll give you an example. I had a, a client last year who had three opportunities at three different colleges. One of them, he could have been a, an assistant uh, kind of full-time for a, an up-and-coming D3 coach at a small kind of unknown D3 school. Other one was a full-time job at a pretty good, you know, school. And then the third opportunity was as a volunteer, but at a high academic uh, school for a brand new head coach. And on paper, I think a lot of people would have gone towards the first two jobs because they were offering tons more money. Um, And I said to him, I said, you got to think about what your next job is going to be from there. And by you going to this academic school at the Division Three level, it's now going to put you on the path to getting a head job much sooner than it would if you went to one of these other jobs. Yeah, I want to I dive a little deeper into that because I think we had you know a shorter conversation like a couple weeks or about a month ago, you know about what's a good job and what's not. What can trigger and how are you kind of organizing yourself whether a certain athletic director gets hired at a division three school and you know, they're going to make the basketball program. Great. How do you find out about that? How do you get that communication? How do you advise your clients on, you know, I know you kind of mentioned it, but what's a good job. What's not a good job. And this is why. Yeah. yeah I, you know, a lot of it is just research doing, doing, you know, a, you know, some study of each of the programs, what success they've had. Um, but in this business, at the Division Three level, I found that your goal should be to get to the highest academic school you can get to, um, regardless of record, because in Division Three, athletic directors, they look at where you went to school and where you're coaching much more than they do wins and losses. And, you know, it's, 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 I always say athletic directors at the Division Three level, it's like hiring a professor. They want to hire a professor that went to Harvard or, or was, you know, got their master's at Duke because it looks good when they hire a professor like that at the school. And then the same thing goes for when you hire a head coach at the Division Three level. Um, there are a lot of really good head coaches out there, but they're not at academic Division Three schools. And it's very hard for them now to make that step over to the, you know, the next big job, because you have to now convince an athletic director that you have what it takes to coach those high academic kids. And, you know, for wrong or right, the best jobs and the best paying jobs in this business at the division three level are all high academic schools. What do you see as like the most challenging 
element for young coaches to kind of that skill that they have to acquire to be able to maybe get from that phone interview to on campus or that on campus interview to become a head coach? What's that hurdle? That's a good question. I, yeah, that's the biggest hurdle. And, and that's kind of, you know, one of the things I, f- I found out in this business is, you know, as coaches, we spend countless hours learning how to beat our opponents or getting good players. But we spend, we spend almost no time preparing for how to get your next job. And, and what I mean by that is your interview skills. Um, guys don't spend any time doing that. What usually happens is they get a phone interview and they tell their wife or, or their friend, hey, I got a phone interview tomorrow. Uh, and, and their wife is like, hey, I'm, I'm busy, but I'll, I'll give you two questions they might ask. And they don't know what, what's a good answer and what's not. And then what happens is they'll ask their buddy and their buddy right away is thinking, you know what? I, I'm hoping he gets this job because I want his job. Um, you know, so like there's always motives behind that. So what I found is, is I can take a guy that, you know, is pretty rough around the edges and just by spending some time going over his interview skills, he can become a much better candidate. I'll give you, you know, one example. I can't give you the name, but you know, I, I had a client, uh, last year, he's still my client. He, before I had him, he had 13 phone interviews. So his resume was really good. He would apply for jobs and ADs would see his background. They'd call him right away. So he had 13 phone interviews, which is unheard of in this business. And out of those phone interviews, he had zero times he got invited to campus. And what I found out is I did a mock phone interview with him and I found out pretty quickly that he was he needed a lot of work. And so we spent a ton of time going over all his answers you know, to the point where he was practicing his answers in front of a mirror. So he knew exactly kind of how to, how to say things and what to say. And, you know, next thing you know, he gets a, uh, an interview and does great on that phone interview and now becomes a finalist for a job. And, and now he has a head coaching job. Um, but those are things that, you know, he, he could have gone in this business for 10 more years and would have been the same coach he was. But as a candidate, he became 10 times better than he was. Guys, we've got to take a quick break to talk about our sponsors for this week's episode. It's the new year and the greatest time of year for football is here. It's the NFL playoffs. I've been saying it for months. There's only one place to get in on all of this action. BetOnline.ag. Visit BetOnline.ag today and receive a 50% bonus. Yes, 50% sign-up bonus when using the promo code podcast one afc nfc divisional round matchups are taking place this weekend with one win away to reach the division championship games you don't want to miss out on any of these four games this saturday and sunday go online or use your mobile phone to sign up today and try in-game live betting where you can participate with all the action with every play use the promo code podcast one for a 50 percent sign up bonus NFL divisional round matchups this weekend. Don't miss out. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. 60 seconds. College basketball coaches know that's a ton of time. Just ask Gary Williams and Coach K. That's also exactly how long this commercial lasts. You know what else you can do in about a minute? Get an offer for your car with TrueCar. That's right. In the amount of time it takes you to take the trash out, send a text to a friend, do a few sit-ups if you're a hardo, or just listen to my voice. 
you can get a true cash offer. Best of all, you can do it from your smartphone or home. Just go to truecar.com and enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details pop up. Answer a few questions and you'll get an accurate true cash offer from a local TrueCar certified dealer. It's really that easy. After that, you can bring your car in and they'll check it out with you together. You can ask questions and get the answers you need so there's no surprises. Then simply leave with your check-in or trade in your car for a new ride. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. And now back to Chad O'Donnell. Do you feel like, uh, I guess I'm thinking the right way to phrase this. Do you feel like in the room and over the phone, athletic directors value more what they see that day rather than past results, Chad? Or recommendations from other people like other coaches in the industry? Or do you feel like it's, it's all a combination? Yeah, it, 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 it all varies. I mean, I've seen some jobs where the AD, they, they already know who they're going to hire and it's a formality and they bring in three guys and they've already kind of positioned the job so that one person gets the job. And then I've seen others where it's truly a wide open race and, uh, and it's just about putting your best foot forward you know, in the interview. So it totally varies from job to job. You know, it's interesting. I've talked about this situation a couple times in the show, but not super in depth. But when I got hired at College of Charleston, I was like right in the middle of the Doug Wojcik, you know, verbal abuse scandal. And I remember the athletic yeah. director at the time, Joe Hall, yes. super honest with me, like kept me abreast of like what was going on. Couldn't promise me that I'd stay on staff. I was fortunate enough to be able to. But he did talk to me about like his hiring process with Woj and him feeling like, Woj wasn't a perfect candidate for what type of atmosphere College of Charleston has. And you, you're familiar with it, Chad. It's right. Very, oh, yeah. It's very Southern. And they would much rather be nice to your face and have a good time going to the game than, than focus on <laughs> winning. And it's fine. Like, I, you know, I loved it down there. But he told me that, you know, he had candidates that he wanted. And then, you know, Woj interviewed for the job. And I think like Mike Krzyzewski and John Calipari called. And when the president heard that, he was like, how are we not hiring this guy? He's got oh, those, exactly. yeah, he's got those guys making phone calls for him. We got to consider him, even though, you know, like I said, Joe, I think kind of felt like, you know, Doug wasn't the perfect fit and he ended up being correct. I guess his, his inclination was right, but it's interesting how things like that can totally sway you from what your notions are or other people get involved in the search and you're just kind of like, oh shit, now what do I do? I thought that no, was totally, yeah. I, mean, I mean, you know, I, I have guys that have, have had contacts with people on the board of trustees at schools. And they use that to kind of get in the in the door or, or try to get a job. And, you know, that's that's just another avenue that people are using nowadays. I mean, uh, you know, sometimes the athletic director doesn't hire who they want to hire. It's who the president or the board of trustees decided they need to hire. Um, and it's all about kind of finding your access to all those people so you can position yourself in the best way. What do you think about what do you advise your clients in terms of their networking strategies? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a huge one. There are so many guys in this business that really work hard um, on their jobs, but they don't work hard on their network. And what I mean by that is when they go out on the road, they're, they're the first guy to go sit down in a gym and never talk to anybody else. And I always tell guys, you know, the worst thing you can do is is go on a recruiting trip and not meet another coach there. You know, get out and meet another coach because two, three years from now, that other coach, you know, is going to get a head job uh, and might remember you. Um, you know, that, that was kind of how I broke into Division One. is, you know, I would go, when I was Division Three. my first job was at Worcester State 
working for Tom Moore, who's now at, at UConn as an assistant. And I would go to a game every single night. And then just by doing that, you know, I was offered a Division II job. And then I would go out every single night. And the, and the great thing about those levels back then is, you know, even now, you can go out every night. You can outwork guys and meet so many people. I always found it so interesting, especially in the AA, on the AAU side during July and April when coaches complained about like, oh, we got to be on the road for X number of days. Because, yeah, like it is a grind, but I, that's what I always thought. You get to see guys that you never really see except at the Final Four. Just hang out. You have a ton of common ground with everyone in there. So it's like it, it's like literally built in network events that, you, you know, you don't have to be worried that you're not getting invited to Villa 7. Because, like, if you go to Peach Jam, you're going to see an assistant from every college in the country there if you're Division One assistant. Exactly. It's, it's, the, it's the biggest mixer you can be in is going to those things. You know, I, I'll tell you a fun little story. I was at a tournament in Cincinnati and, uh, and I sat down next to Chris Mack, um, and, and, uh, just kind of talked to him. We knew some mutual people cause I worked for Mark Schmidt and, and he was coached by Mark Schmidt and, uh, we're talking and he's like, where are you going next? And, and I'm like, you know, I, I gotta go to Virginia. He's like, oh, I'm going to Virginia. And I'm like, yeah, I'm leaving tomorrow. He's like, no, no, jump on the charter with me tomorrow. And so just from that, you know, I got to know Chris and now I'm jumping on charter, going on a flight with him. And, and, you know, but if I didn't, you know, sit down and spend a few minutes and get over my anxiety to, to kind of meet a new guy, then, then you, that would have never happened, you know? So you have to kind of get over what, what your, your fears are. And too many people are, are worried about what other guys will think of you and stuff. But the guys that network the best are really the guys that are people people persons you know they don't mind getting out and meeting a new guy and you can never kind of like look down on people the one thing i hate in this business is when i first got in i can remember going to tournaments and the first thing coaches would do when you saw them was look at your oh, shirt yeah. to see Still what, happens. what logo <laughs> that's, a, that's, such yeah. a, that's such a classic move like that hasn't changed since the 90s <laughs> oh it's crazy and, and and i always say like i could go into the bathroom change my shirt and i'd have 10 more friends if i had a nicer logo on um but you know one of the things i remember i was in chicago and i and i met this kid he was in high school and he was happened to be in the coaches area you know and and the kids talking to me and and uh you know i a lot of coaches probably would have been like who is this kid but i i kind of sat with him got to know him he ended up becoming a contact for me to get a player to albany and now six years, you know, seven years later, he's actually an agent himself um, and bigger than I am. And, and, and he's a guy that helps me out in this business. So you never know that guy that you look down upon at a tournament that you think is at a junior college, you know, or, or a D3, you know, when you're at a D1. Net, the, the following year, you could be out of a job and he could be. A oh, yeah, one. for sure. It happens all the time. I think uh, the biggest thing for me about like AU tournaments and when you got recruiting in July, at least what I remember was there's a lot of bad basketball, too. So you're really going to bore yourself if you're just like sitting alone watching a terrible game. Might as well just talk to people. At the end of the day, everyone's seeing the same kids. You know, they're in the same gym. You just got to interact and forget about everything else. I, I also think it depends on who you work for, too, because yeah. some guys are like, you've got to sit there and you've got to make a billion notes. Yeah. And, and right, like, right. But like a lot of July, if you're an assistant, is same kit. You know, it's 
it's spanning, expanding your list. But yeah, if you're trying to sign guys for next year's class, like, you know, the, you know, 15 or 20 or so kids you're recruiting, depending on what level you're at, you know, if you're a, a low D1 or whatever, or you're, you know, a division three head coach, like you, you might be watching 100 kids. That's possible for sure. But yeah, I think it's like you're watching kids you've seen a bunch anyway. You're just sitting on them. So I, I agree. You got to keep your sanity, them. though. <laughs> you got. I mean, right, I, right. I, you, you know, the, the best thing is is like you said, when those games become out of reach, or and you've seen the kid twenty times, and you just did a show face. That, that's the best time to meet a coach because you've done half your work. We, I was in Biloxi, Mississippi, and uh, Frank Martin came in to watch PJ Dozier. And he had his son with him, and they were they were literally playing catch with like a little basketball. It was a really early morning game, it was a blowout, and he and his son were like playing catch. He was talking it. I can't remember at the time he was talking to another head coach that was in there watching PJ, but it was like very funny that like the game was going on, and Frank was like rolling the ball, and his son was like running, picking it up, and bringing it back, <laughs> playing a little fetch. Gotta love it. Oh yeah, with his son, you you know, you can't bring your dog to the event. So, oh yeah, hey, Ch- hey Chad, you know. You you were coaching for so long and at the college level. Do you ever you know miss it? And, and do you ever the feeling like oh, I might want to get back into it at some point? Yeah, I mean, I get that question probably at least once a day. I mean, obviously, when, once you're a coach, I think you're always a coach, um, and you kind of have that in your blood, and, and you do miss it. Um, so I miss certain aspects about it. I used to love you know talking to the players or get out in the road or scouting. Uh, but in the job I do now, my outlet is to talk to all these coaches and, and advise them in the things they're going through and use, you know, the 20 plus years I had in coaching to kind of help them save some time in this business by not making some of the mistakes I made. You know, I'll tell you a quick story. I, when, when I first got into this business, my, I used to work college basketball camps and that was before Hoop Group and all that stuff. And so guys like John Calipari, Bo Ryan, those guys were actually my references. And they were, I got to know them. And, you know, they were, they helped me get my first job or two. Then, of course, I get to Division One. I, I think I've made it a little bit. And, and now I stop kind of relying on them or staying in touch with them. And now they're not my references anymore because it's too much time has passed. And, and that's, kind of a mistake I made that I always tell guys is don't always update your references and always stay in touch with your references. Because too many times you're like, oh, that, that was my, my guy when I was at that job. And then you leave and five years pass and you don't talk to them again. And now they're, they're really not a reference because they don't even know what you've been up to. Um, so I, I always tell guys, you got to, you know, stay involved in the business in terms of the references and stuff. But, yeah, I, What's I, the best? What's the best way? I'm sorry for kidding you. What's the best way to to go about that? I mean, if I'm a young coach and I'm 23, 24 years old and I'm making all these contacts, I'm taking down information. Is it something as a text and you're trying to build and get to know that person a little better? Or is it, you know, an email here and there? How do you recommend the best way to approach yeah, that? Because we've talked about this with different guys before, like creating meaningful interactions with people, not hey, great win, you know, or, hey, coach, I heard you have a job open. Like, how do you kind of get past that first layer of the relationship? Right. You know, each each person is different. But, you know, the, the one thing you got to do is just not be afraid to, to drop a, a note or, or an email. And especially now, this is a great time of year with the holidays. You know, it's easy to just send a, a handwritten card saying, hey, coach, hope you have a great 
holidays or hope your family's doing well, Mr. and Mrs. Athletic Director. And uh, hey, just wanted to give you an update on kind of what's going on with me. I saw you've had a lot of success with this and this. Congratulations. And I'll be in touch again soon. Just like that, that's a touch point that that you've created. And now you got to kind of remind yourself every couple of months to do something else. You know, reach out again. Hey, I, I saw your football team had a great win the other night. Great job. You know, we just, uh, you know, won three games in a row, blah, blah, blah. Now, just like that, that person that's a reference knows what you're doing and is also getting recognized by you because, you know, everybody likes to be recognized when they have success. Um, you know, but there are so many people that just don't realize who and, and who isn't a good reference. Uh, I'll tell you a crazy story. So I, I had a, uh, a client about two years ago, and uh, we're talking on the phone, and, and he didn't have any big hitters as references and stuff. And he's like, hey, I got to go. I got to get ready for a flight. And I'm like, okay. And so he's like, yeah, I'm going to Boston to watch the Celtics for practice for the week. And I'm like, all right. I'm like, what do you mean you're going to Boston? He's like, oh, yeah, I go visit Brad every week, every every, every year, and I spend a week with him. And I'm like, I, I, are you kidding me? Like, There's like, like, there's like three guys in basketball that are like, yeah, exactly. bigger than I said, I, Brad Stevens. I said, he's not a reference? I said, why? He goes, well, I, ne- I never thought about it. I never asked him. I said, well, okay, here's what you're going to do. And we kind of went over, you know. Hey Brad, I need you to call this guy, this guy, this guy. And like Brad Stevens is like pretty clearly the type of guy that would do it too because it's like a five-minute right. phone call, you know. Like, right. And, and now that guy's a head job, has a head coaching job. And, 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 and because he has Brad Stevens as a reference, he didn't even think of, of him as a reference because he was like, oh, he's too big. I'll, I'll never be able to get him. And I'm like, dude, you're spending a week with him every year. You obviously have some sort of a relationship. I said, are you going to sit down and have a lunch with him? He's like, oh, yeah, we go out to dinner at least once or twice during the week. I said, perfect. So get some time alone with him. Sit down. Tell him a little bit more about what you're doing. And then just say to him flat out, you know, hey, hey you know, Brad, you know, I really appreciate it if this, the right job open for me if, if you'd kind of send an email or make a call for me. And just like that, you know, he says yes. And now you have one of the best references in the country. As you gear up for the biggest game in the NFL season, Podcast One is teaming up with the Underdog Network to be your one-stop shop for all things football. As the big game draws closer, Chris Horwadell is joined by the Dan Patrick Show Danettes for their NFL postseason analysis. I, I, I don't disagree with you. This could be one of the ugliest games of football of all time, uh, which the Jaguars were already a part of one of those against the Colts this year, so we'll see True. if they replicate that. Check out the Underdog Network and the Dan Patrick Show every week on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I guess before we wrap this this part of the interview up, I, I, it seems like coaches generally understand that like that's the life cycle. Like somebody helped them out at, when they started their career, and they needed a reference, so they're they're pretty likely to give people references if they have relationships with them, right? Am I right about that? Totally. But what I found is that assistant, because of their relationship with their head coach or a certain you know reference, they're afraid to ask them. Because they're like, oh, he's so busy, I can't ask. And I'm like, I'm like, you, you have to ask him. I'm like, how do you think he got his job? You know, he got his job because someone helped him. So you got to reach out and and not be afraid to ask him. 
but too many guys in this business are just hesitant to to make those moves and to ask those people if they can be a ref. Yeah, I yeah, I've been there before. I I, I actually just myself like know that feeling of you know, is it okay to walk into your coach's office and say like, hey, I need you to do this because like, are you inconveniencing them or whatever when it's not a huge inconvenience? But right, right. I you know, I always tell all my assistant clients, and I used to do this when I was an assistant. I said, you you gotta at least one time when the year ends, walk into your coach's office, close the door, and say, Coach, can I can I have like twenty minutes of your time? And if if they can't say yes, then you're working for the wrong guy. Mm-hmm. But you know, once they say yes, then you say, Hey, coach, you know, what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong for you? And what do I need to get better at? And right there, you're opening up the conversation so that he's gonna give you some tips and become a mentor for you. And now what you do is that you have that conversation and figure out that you're doing a pretty good job, then you open it up towards your next job. You know, coach, I'm looking at this. You know, do you think I'd be able to get it? Would you be be able to help me, you think? And just like that, by sitting down and having a review each year with your coach, you have a reference that you know you can use. Too many guys just kind of, the season ends and they get out in the road recruiting and they never have that sit down with their with their coach. And you have to do the same thing with your athletic director, even if you're an assistant. You have to get some time with your athletic director and say, hey, you watched me coach. What am I doing good? What am I doing bad? Uh, And not be afraid of what the answer might be. And then if it's pretty good, which it normally is, then you now have an opening to ask them to be a reference. Speaking of uh, looking in the mirror, what's next uh, for you in terms of goals and, and capital lead in the next couple of years? You know, you've grown it a, a good bit since it started in 2015 to now 40 clients. What's what's the next level of growth for you, Chad? Yeah, I, I think the natural progression in this business is is to get bigger and and more higher paid clients. I mean, selfishly for myself, that that becomes a goal of mine and in order to make this a job that I can can do for the rest of my life, it has to be something that, that pays the bills. So um, for me selfishly, I hope to to continue to add clients from higher levels, but I I still really enjoy helping out the the guy at the lower level. So I don't want to lose that. I'm trying to find ways that I can expand my ability to help guys at the lower level yeah because i mean at at some point and i guess with a lot of different agencies especially the bigger ones there's some sort of capacity where you yourself can't take on another client you know like if you're on the phone 16 hours and then you have you take 20 more clients there's just not enough time to give everybody exactly they need so exactly yeah so that that becomes you know there's a limit to the number of clients i can take i'm not there yet but I'm at a point now where I have to take clients that are, that are really going to, you know, be successful, and I, and I think can go on and and, and have great careers. Mm. Let's uh, let's take it into coach speak. Uh, Smalls, you got the first one. Super short quote about uh, Jeff Brom staying at Purdue and turning down Louisville in college football. Yeah, Jeff just said uh, I couldn't look in the mirror and leave Purdue. Uh, and really, the question that we want to you know come out of this quote is you know the big time college football is a little different, but clients often will have personal relationship with schools or you know members within the community. How would you advise a client in a similar situation here? Yeah, I, you know, I mean, Jeff, Jeff's saying the right things. I think first and foremost, you always. You know, whenever you're going to take a job, you're going to do what's right for your family. And too many guys jump at that next job 
just because it pays, you know, twice as much as they're making, but it's a bad move for their family and it doesn't lead them to towards success. But, you know, in that situation, you know, at Louisville, you know, if you're happy where you are, now you got to figure out how you can make your current job better so that you don't ever want to leave. Whether it's, you know, making you, you know, I'm sure he's trying to now use turning down Louisville to get more money from Purdue and and create a long-term relationship so that he has a long-term contract and, and doesn't have to think about his next job. Yeah. And, and that's why the next one I put was about Lincoln Riley. And it's a longer quote, but essentially like people were asking him after they lost in the Orange Bowl about NFL jobs or other jobs. And I'm curious, how do you advise your clients? You know, not even obviously not all of them are dealing with ESPN, but just dealing with the media and dealing with questions around campus if they are interviewing for other jobs like how do you advise them to deal with the media both positively and negatively yeah i you know that that sort of situation you know when you start to get involved with jobs and people start asking it's kind of like when you see candidates uh, that are asked on tv if they're going to run for president nobody says nobody says yeah i'm going to run for president i think i'd be great they all say the same thing they all say you know what i have a great job i really enjoy what i do now um, and I don't think I ever want to leave. And then, you know, let's be honest, if you do eventually leave, you can always spin it as to why you left and why you had to leave. Um, but you should always deflect towards your job you have now and say, you know, I love my job now and I really enjoy work. Yeah, that's part of this whole process that I think gets a little muddled because you, you kind of forget that, like, you're the coach there and people care about the job that you do. Not more than you you care, because obviously you want to win and do a good job. But the the people who you know are part of the community don't necessarily understand that this is a career. For you know, does that make sense, Chad? What I'm saying, like, oh yeah, totally. You want to make more money, and you know, let's just let's just take Holy Cross for example. Like, if you're at Holy Cross and Harvard comes and offers you the job, that's going to pay a lot more money. So that to me is like, but the people at Holy Cross might be like, well, why is Harvard better? And they don't understand that, like you're not necessarily ingrained or it's just like getting a promotion at work. And that's where I think coaches get bad raps a lot of the time. I'm not saying that they shouldn't just be able to leave or whatever, or maybe kids shouldn't have the same kind of rules that they do, but it's just interesting in that sense. I think people lose sight of the fact that this is a career and you don't need to stay somewhere for 45 years. And you're not negatively talking about your current job just because you maybe want to get a promotion and more money somewhere else. Right. That, that's the thing. I mean, sports at colleges now, they're, they're, that's the marketing arm for the school is the sports programs. And so the, the worst thing you can do is say something bad about the school you work at. You always want to say great, great things. And then when you leave, you know, you, you still say good things. You just say better things about the school you're working at. All right, I'm I'm moving into our next segment. That's city or view, and really, you know this better than anyone. We already talked about it. You're recruiting. You're on the road. You're in different cities. You're on a charter plane with Chris Mack. I wish I wish I was on more charter planes. I was on the the four connections out of all of them. Dinner with Brad. I, I, can't, I can't remember who reps Chris Mack. Like maybe Jordan Bazan or Brett Just or Cheerney Group or whatever. But did they like immediately fax you over like tampering papers right after they found out he was on the flight with you? Well, I was still coaching. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's just a funny story. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's amazing the people you can meet when you go out and recruit, and and you know, kind of the things you learn. I was in Chicago once, and I met the guy who was the producer for Judge Judy in the airport, and he's like, "Hey, he's like, you gotta, 
He's like, you got to come sit in the stand, sit in the audience. And I'm like, I'm not going to sit in the audience with Judge Judy. I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to be that guy in the background that's making faces. <laughs> well, City Review, we're doing Boston, which is exciting. I don't really think we've ever done Boston. If we have, it was forgettable. No, so our, guy, our, guy, awesome. uh, our guy, Adam Nelson, hoop derp, baby. He oh, yeah. Nelson, us, yeah, Nelson was good. It was solid. It was and solid. Adam, Adam and I worked together at, at uh, Holy Cross. So. Adam's a good friend of mine. Yeah, no, so. Adam was good. That was just a long time ago. So we're doing three three restaurants, two bars, and one activity a weekend. Tyler, Smalls, and here we go. All right. Is this, uh, this is going to be hard for me. The restaurants are easy. I mean, if you like Italian, you got to go to Mother Anna's in the North End. Awesome. Veal Parm. Love the name already. Veal yeah, Parm? Veal Parm, Mother Anna's. It's been around forever. It's an institution. Great spot. Uh, if you need Chinese, got to go to Kowloon in Saugus. It's a huge uh, Chinese place. Um, I got to ask you, what's your Chinese order? Because I think that really, that that, there's so many different things. And people, oh, great question. You know. Great question. You, like I'm a lobster sauce guy, and Ooh. most guys don't even know what that is. <laughs> but if you, if you get lobster sauce in Boston, it's brown. If you go anywhere else in the country, it's white. <laughs> so obviously, it's not even the same thing. So I always say, like, uh, the biggest thing I miss about, you know, now that I'm in Albany is Chinese food because you can't get it like it is in Boston. So, like. And yeah, Ch- so. Chad, I would just I would I want to interject. I think you should incorporate this when you're taking on a new client. Ask them what their Chinese food order is, because it will tell you <laughs> a lot about who you're repping or who you're helping out and consulting with. Like Lapis is a low main guy. I'm not. I'm not really a low main. Oh, guy. I'm not they, either. They yeah. tell you they get low main or like just regular sesame chicken. You're like, all right. Well, this guy obviously goes out and gets drunk every night and orders that at 3 a.m. <laughs> like he's not going to a Chinese <laughs> restaurant at 6 p.m. Like if you order like a basic thing like General So's, like not creative. Probably not a very good offensive basketball coach. Just gonna throw yeah, you don't have a lot. You don't have a lot to offer. You have no uh, no no personality. But it, but if you go with you know, you go Kung Pao chicken. I want a little shrimp and I want you to, you know, add a lot of those crispy hots in there. Then you kind of know this guy's got a mind that I can work with. Yeah. 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 So I would say those two restaurants and my third one is, is a chain, but D'Angelo's, if you've ever had D'Angelo's, it's great steak and cheese and they don't have good steak and cheese unless you're going to go to Philadelphia anywhere else. Um, so, you know, you go to D'Angelo's, you can get a great steak and cheese up in the Boston area. Okay. What's the difference between a cheese steak and a steak and cheese? Uh, I don't think there really is much. Is it like a different roll? Are we talking like bread? Is it a sandwich kind of? It's, it's, I think the cheese, they don't put the whiz on it okay. like they do in, in Philly. It's more like American. Um, but it's all the same, you know, and they, you know, but a steak and cheese at D'Angelo's is basically as close as you can get to going to Philly without being near Philly. And don't tell Mike McGarvey that, because Mike McGarvey at Lycoming would kill me for putting down, uh, you know, Philly. Oh, Mike's, Mike's definitely listening to this one, so I'm sure there will be some texts coming uh, in the next couple weeks. What's uh, what, if, what if you're taking a client out for a drink in Boston? You're meeting somebody. Where, where are you taking them? I'm not a bar guy. I, I have three kids, so I probably know more about the Museum of Science and the uh, 
and the 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 uh, aquarium in Boston than I do any bar. Pro- probably a better place to do like a shady backroom deal is like the Children's Science Center. Like you would never be expected to be there, right? Like oh, you guys no, not at all, and, not at all. Yeah, you know, there's a bag of money being passed behind like the Please Touch exhibit or something. Like it's <laughs> that that would be pretty good, I think, in terms of what we hear about you know these shady deals with athletic directors and stuff. So. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I, I, I wish I was a bar guy. I just, I don't drink, and I, uh, I, I, I have three kids. So whatever my wife tells me we're doing is usually what we're doing instead of going out to some place for a drink. I love it. What's, the, what's the activity that we have to do in Boston together? Oh, I mean, you've done the duck boats. You got to do the duck boats. That's a simple Boston activity. But you know, got to go to a, a Fenway game. Got to go see the Red Sox. And, I know you know you guys are Philly fans, but you got to go see the Patriots. Oh no! Oh, the Patriots! Oh boy! Oh no! I, I would. I mean, if I would really want to go to Fenway. I, the Red, Red Sox fans these days are just pretty. Uh, I mean, just insufferable. I would say, but going to <laughs> going to Fenway would be a very cool experience. Uh, I don't. I don't know if I could do a Patriots game. I don't know if I could. Maybe go see Brady like before he retires. I could appreciate that. I don't know if I could sit in the upper deck at like Gillette Stadium and like deal with that kind of like level of energy. <laughs> if you guys know what I'm saying. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, let's do ten touches, thirty second rapid fire. I got the first five. Chad, who's the funniest person you've ever worked with or coached? Uh I'd probably say the guy I work with, worked with is Steve Curran, who's the associate head coach at St. Bonaventure. Great guy, always has good stories. You, you've got really... to be the third or fourth person that said Steve Curran, like that he's just oh, really yeah, Dwayne Lee. I mean, Dwayne Lee works with him now, but other people who, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. who worked with him in the past, and I've met, I've gotten to know him a little bit on the recruiting trail. Just a super nice guy, like just oh yeah, Steve. Steve, he was the best man at my oh, wedding, really? so he, we're really, we're really close. But he. Uh, you know he's he's the best, and his wife Melissa is awesome, and so uh, you know, he, funny guy if you really get to know. Him. You've uh, you've worked a lot of different places. What's your worst basketball travel experience? Yeah, I think I, I got a, a top ten one here. So in in two thousand seven, I was at Albany, and that was when the they had the bracket buster tournament, uh, and it was a pretty big deal. And so we got a game against Boise State at 9 p.m. on ESPN2 out at Boise State. Well, there's a snowstorm at Albany two days before. Every flight in Albany is canceled. So we couldn't find a way to get to the game. And ESPN's telling us, hey, you, you got to get there. You're going to be on TV. And so we actually found two flights, but only for 12 people. So we only brought two assistants and in 10 players and we went on two separate flights and i took half the team and we drove to washington dc then we took a flight from washington dc to denver then we took a flight from denver to las vegas and then we stayed overnight and then the next day we the game day we take a flight into boise we got there too late for shoot around the other half of the team the starters had already gotten there for shoot, shoot around. So we just go to the hotel for the meal. And then we have the game that night. And we end up losing the game on a buzzer beater on a moving screen that I still can't believe they didn't call. <laughs> and and we lost that game by, by a point. And I'm thinking if we could have just traveled the right way, we might have had a chance to win this game. But our guys, like they still had flight legs from the time the game started. Yeah, that's 
That's a brutal. Bracket Busters was so crazy too, Chad. Like it, it, it just was for, for low majors. I thought it was pretty helpful because it was like an opportunity to play on ESPN two. But like mid majors and stuff, like the game just hurt you if you lost. Like it, it wasn't going to get you into the tournament, and then it just hurt when you lost to like Wichita State as like if you were Northern Iowa or whatever. It was like so weird. Well, it was, it was great for the for te- it was great for the team that won, but it killed it killed you if you lost the game. Yeah, and like you had to take it right because you don't have a ton of opportunities if those at those schools even less now. Honestly, now that they've gotten rid of it, but like. It just was, it was always fun. They were great games to watch and like it got, you know, awareness up, I thought for mids and lows, but like it just was like, it was just so brutal for your tournament resume when you traveled across the country and then, you know, tricked it off. But what, uh, you're, you were an English major. What's your favorite book? Favorite book? Uh, I'm not, a, I'm not a reader right now. Cause I, as I said, three kids and I'm always on the phone. So, uh, I spent more time if I have any downtime watching Netflix. And so I'm more of like a, West Wing, Sopranos, Breaking Bad, guys. I could watch those those three like again and again. Uh, what is the, uh, in your opinion, what's the biggest difference between like new school and old school in terms of coaching? That, that's a great question. I always tell clients about this. You know, old school is not is you know you're going to get fired if you're an old school coach nowadays. Um, yeah, unless you're like Tom Izzo, right? Unless you have like 890 wins, you're fine. But yeah, yeah but Tom, Tom's at least changed. I, you know, I, I always tell the story that when I first got in the business, this is 96, 95. You know, guys would have pictures of Bob Knight up in their office. Like, yeah, not, was, not anymore. That that was their idol, and 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 that was the way Bob Knight was. You know, and and he would. MF a guy and, and he could get away with it. Eventually, you know, that's what, you know, cost him in Indiana. But that was coaching back then. And then it morphed, you know, back into the 90s into what I call the Rick Pitino era, which was uh, Rick Pitino was, you know, nothing bad about it, but it was all about outworking the other guy. And yeah. if you were in the office, you know, 18 hours a day, you should be fired because <laughs> you have to be in the office 24 hours a day. And and it became, you know, more about outworking guys and cutthroat and stuff like that. And now, uh, I always tell guys, you know, look at Jay Wright. Jay Wright is the is the epitome of what a current coach is now. It's all about family and team and 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 setting the right environment and telling guys why they need to do stuff uh, rather than just do it or, or you're going to get punished, you know. So old school, there is no old school coaches nowadays because if you're still old school and you're trying to coach, it's just a matter of time before, you know, it catches up to you and, and you, you're looking for a job. Did you did you watch the uh, last days of night 30 for 30? Yeah. Yeah. I just saw it recently. I mean, I can remember it when it happened. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and but that's exactly, you know, kind of what happens. You know, you look at that, you look at you know, Mike Rice got caught up in it, you know, it's, you know, old school type of stuff that, you know, I always say to, you know, I have an athletic director, I talk to him, like, the stuff I used to say to players back in 97, 98, oh. if I did any of that stuff now, I'd be fired by the next day. Um, and it's just the way it is. It, you know, back then, it was acceptable to, to MF a guy and tell him to get on the line. You know, nowadays, you can't do that. You got you to gotta talk about why they need to do the drill and why it's important to the team and, and how it can make the team better as an environment. And, and it, yep. Do you think it works? I mean, 
I would say a couple things, right? One, old school guys are going to always think that kids are soft, right? And that's oh, just, yeah. it's always going to be that way no matter what. Yeah. But I, I feel like there is a real argument, especially for the Rick Patino part of it. Like we have to practice three hours every single day. Like it's pretty clear that you don't have to not, I don't want to say like it's clear, but like there are better ways to kind of attack it from a sports science perspective. Now right. you have more information. You don't need to be in the office 14 hours a day. Like, Maybe someday you do, you just have a lot of work to do, but like, do you think it's better or worse now? Or, or would you just say it's different? Uh, it's so much better now. I mean, you see guys like Mark Few, who, you know, who are talking about, you know, going fishing every day. You say, you know, I'm sure if you, if you Google it, you can see a great article. They just wrote about Chris Mack and, and how he travels with his daughter to go recruiting and she goes to events with him. I mean, back when I was coaching, you know, uh, you know, in the nineties, if you ever took your kid to a game, you were like, people would make fun of you. They yeah, were like, you were like accused of like not working hard enough as if like having your child there was like an issue. Exactly. Exactly. And now it's become when you bring your kid, it's, Oh, look at him. He's a family man. It's such a great thing. So it's totally flipped. And you know, it's just a different sport in terms of coaching now. And, and that's why like, you know, I look at guys like BJ Dunn, who are younger guys, and and the stuff they say when I talk to them, they're just totally, they coach a totally different style than I remember when I first got into coaching. It's just the way they were brought up. I I, uh, I don't want to slander another event operation company, so I will not use their name, but I was selling packets in, uh, in April, just kind of helping out when I was in college, and uh, a coach... He was a small college assistant and him and his wife came. They had a, a brand newborn baby, like couldn't have been more than like three, four months. Kid had like the headphones on in the stroller and the event operator. I, I charged the guy for a packet, you know, 300 bucks, 250 bucks probably back then. And the event operator came up to me and I didn't know him that well. It was just something Dump had said like, hey, can you help him out? Like it's a good way for you to make some money. Cool. You know, whatever. He made me, he wanted me to charge the woman for a day pass right. for coaching. And I was like, I was like, are you joking? Like the guy just paid 250 bucks here. Like, do you really need another hundred dollars? And, you know, little did I know that I would get in that business of bleeding division one coaches budgets, you know, for all they were worth. But I remember him being like, yeah, you got to charge the wife too. And I was like, why can't she just get a ticket herself? Like it was absolutely ridiculous. But Oh yeah. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I'll tell you a great story. So when I'm first at Bryant, this, I've been in the business not four years now. It's like 1997. And I'm on the road with the head coach, uh, Eddie Riley, at the time. And we meet a friend of his. And, uh, and his, his, his a lady is with him at the game. And I say to, to Eddie when we get back in the car, I say, hey, hey, that was pretty cool. He brought his wife all the way out to Vegas. And he's like, he's like Chad, that was not his wife. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and back in the nineties, you know, guys would you would think that's how guys would travel. They would have their, you know, people that they would have in each city that they would kind of you know, the old Michael Jordan like different cell phone in every single city that you, yeah, were, you yeah, were working. I'll never forget it. I said, Oh, it's nice that's his wife. He's what, like, Chad, that was not his wife. What uh if you could change one thing about the uh basketball industry, what would it be? You know, I, I think you know, obviously, I think eventually they have to move the three-point line back in terms of game rules. I just think that the range on shooters is amazing nowadays. And the fact that you have five men 
you know, some six, eight guy and he's better off shooting a three than ever posting up has really kind of hurt the game. In my opinion, I, I, I mean, I go to games this year and I'm amazed at how many teams just shoot threes. Um, so I think it's time that they move the three point line back. And then the other thing in the industry that I, I really don't like, and we talked about it before is guys that have never been coaches at the division two II or three level looking down on those levels. Um, and what I mean by that is guys that have, they played D one and they were able to get right in and they just think that it's, it's, it's Bush league down in D two and three. And I always say like, cause I got my start there. I'm like, it's, these guys are working as hard, if not harder than you. I said, they, they actually have to drive the bus. They're not just sitting on the bus. And, and then the other thing is, you know, a win at the division three level is just as exciting as a win at the division one level. The only difference is there's less people that are going to pat you on the back when you get it. Yeah, I think that's awesome. That that's I'm I'm a champion of that. I've been a champion of it on the podcast. So, but what's your best memory or you know event that kind of happened to you during your coaching career? Yeah, you know, I, I would say the the best thing is is go just going to the NCAs. We, I was able to go five times at the Division One level at, at Albany and. In 2013, we were actually in the last year of, of our contract. Um, our AD had brought us in and said, "Hey, if you know your contract's not being renewed in March, and unless you win, and, and we were able to actually, we finished fifth in the league, but we were able to win the America East Championship, and uh, and that set us off to go into the NCAA's three years in a row. and And I'll never forget, you know, kind of the coaches that you know we were all kind of battling towards the same goal of keeping our jobs and and building the program up like we, we like they did it all it, you know that part just to jump in for a second is one of the most interesting i think about postseason tournaments and i've argued a lot on this show that like being judged by ncaa tournament success seems a little bit ridiculous since it's a one game sample at all levels honestly you know like it's just tough you lose a game in the ncaa tournament you get fired for not winning in the tournament it's like well if your players graduate and you win a ton of games every year, I don't know if it should be like that, but you never really hear the other side, right? You see the guys that win on a buzzer beater and they get a bigger job, but nobody ever really reports on the guys that are on the opposite side of the buzzer beater and they lose their jobs because of, uh, you know, a loss in the conference tournament or something oh, like totally. that. And I think that's the most fascinating thing about March. If you're in the business is kind of looking to see how fortunes change on, you know, one lucky shot or, you know, one, like you said, a moving screen, a ref makes a tough call or something, and, and you don't really realize how it affects the people that don't win the game. Yeah, I, you make a great point. I mean, and the same thing goes in recruiting. Everybody reports those kids that nobody recruited and they became stars, but they very rarely report the kid that was offered in eighth grade by the Big Ten and didn't get any better. And now he had to go play, uh, you know, you know, rec league at some, you know, small school because he didn't get any better. And so that kid and his family went from thinking he's going to the Big Ten on a scholarship to now his his whole life is totally shattered because he he was looked at as a big time basketball player, but he never got better. Um, and because of that, you know, he, he kind of has to take that with him the rest of his life. I mean, and that was like the whole thing. Now I'm in Nashville, so Kentucky basketball, it just feels like it takes over everywhere down, you know, when you're, I'm like five hours from Lexington, I think, but it feels like big blue nations everywhere. But I remember when Billy Gillespie was the coach, he offered this kid to, who was Dakota Eubanks, maybe was his name. Dakota yeah, yeah. Something. I don't remember, I don't remember his last name, but 
as an eighth grader and he never grew or whatever, ended up playing, I think went division one, transferred division two or whatever, but he talked about legitimately, like it ruined his life. And then like people in Lexington and Kentucky basketball fans like pointed to that failure of evaluation as to why like Billy Gillespie should get fired. And it seemed like pretty unfortunate that we just kept bringing up the fact that this kid just didn't really get a whole lot better. He might've been, you know, six, seven, six, eight in eighth grade. And it's like, are we really using this because we want to get another coach fired? It's, it's, that that part of it's tough. I, I always I always say, imagine if you're that kid, and now you're yeah. watching a you know a talk show, and they're talking about you as the reason he was fired. A hundred percent. And you're like, you know, you just want to put it behind you. you know? yeah. What what was your favorite city to recruit? I, I would say Chicago. I, I actually like I loved recruiting in the Midwest. So Chicago. I mean, there's just so much talent. You can and plus you can go from recruiting you know, right in the city to a suburb out there. And there's just so much talent out there. The other area I, I really like to recruit is Iowa. I love Iowa kids. I think Iowa kids, for one reason or another, maybe because they, you know, work on the farm or whatever, is they're just tough kids. So I used to love to recruit in Iowa. That's 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 quite interesting. That's awesome. All right. Three of the top up-and-coming assistants in small college basketball. I mean, I'm biased here, so I mean, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you three of my clients, you know. So, uh, you know, Brian Benator, if you know him at West Florida, they, they went to, they were top ten last year, D two. He, a lot of guys know him now because he really gets after recruiting. He is awesome, and he's really moving up in this business. Another guy I think you guys might know is uh, Mike McSloy at Gettysburg, who's uh, an assistant there. Really, he was at NYU. Uh, he's got a bright, bright future. And then, you know, the last guy I'll mention now is, is probably, uh, you probably don't know him, is Shiva Sentiel. And he's an assistant at the University of Chicago. And uh, he was at Clarkson, um, went to Hartwick, but he's got a bright, bright future. And uh, now that he's at Chicago, which is a great school, you know, he, he's going to be in line for some jobs soon. All right, craziest reason for a coach not getting a job that you've either heard or even experienced? I'll give you one that uh, I can't verify, and I'm not going to give names out because yeah. it would be slander. But but this 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 one I heard happened last year. So a head coach was a finalist for a Division One opportunity, um, and everybody thought, oh, he's going to get this job. Well, he didn't get the job because when he was a, and this is the story I heard, when he was a, an assistant or a head coach at his, at his like previous two jobs, he uh, had sent a few uh, inappropriate pictures, as you might say, uh, via text to a female. And uh, you can imagine what it was. And that picture somehow got to the people at the school he was interviewing for and so i i always say what what is the statute of limitations on 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 a picture like that you know i mean now the stuff that's been going on in the news lately it, it, it never expires yeah. allegedly so yeah for sure yeah what uh crazy our, our final question on 10 touches give us two podcast guests that we should have on uh let's see well steve curran if you haven't had steve curran on it at st bonaventure he's awesome you gotta have him on and then uh if you haven't have you had todd mcginnis on it at case western he's been requested a couple times i've reached out we had we've had some conversations and haven't been able to nail a time down but 
Alan Soretti told us Todd McGinnis would be the funniest person we have ever had yeah, on the show. Todd's awesome. I, I, you got to get those two guys on. They're really, they're really, really good, and they they've been around the business for a while, and you know they get some good stories. Uh, all right, yeah. last segment. I want to I want to correct myself. It is actually was Dakota Uton. So I was actually I was close. Played it out. Right, so now you're killing some kid, Dakota Eubanks, that's crying in his bedroom <laughs> now. Because- no, Dakota I, Dakota Eubanks. I think plays in the G League. I, I think he's having a pretty good season. Uh, <laughs> even worse. Even worse. <laughs> Too many names. You know how it is. Like when you're you're watching a lot of basketball recruiting or whatever. You have a billion. Yeah, Asbury. Yeah, it's good. I mean, he had three thousand points and fifteen hundred rebounds in high school. Smalls. I had like. I think like I had like 19 career points in high school or whatever. So, you know, better, better player than me. But uh, last segment, same two questions to every guest. We call this parting shots. What's the best advice you've ever been given? Uh, you know, I, it kind of goes to a quote I read when I was a young kid, and it's take control of the things you can control. You know, too many times, you know, we worry about, uh, you know, what, what people think and stuff like that. And, how do I do something? And I always say, take control of what you can control and don't worry about anything else. You're face to face with your 25 year old self. What are you telling that person? Uh, well, I'm a bald guy. So maybe I tell him to go to get one of those hair transplants because they work now. Back when I was in it, they, you know, they didn't work. But no, I, I think, uh, you know, don't be afraid of what other people think of your decisions. You know, uh, you know, I've said it a couple of times today, you know, too many times, you know, in society, we care about what other people think of what we're going to do. And, you know, even when I was young, I, I would do that. And if I could just be like, hey, screw it. I don't I don't care what they think. I'd probably be a little more successful than I was. Uh, Chad, I, have, I actually have one last question, if you don't mind. Yeah. Based on you saying, like, don't worry about what not necessarily like, don't worry what other people think about your decisions. Did you struggle with the like? All right, I'm going to get out of the business and what people would think of like why you were leaving because it, it, the, the industry is large, but I think by nature it's, you know, there's a lot of gossip, like a lot of like people talk about things they don't really know about. Did you struggle with that decision for a little while before you ultimately decided to leave Albany? Oh, totally. Totally. And, and, and I always tell guys, even when you leave a job, if you leave a job for the wrong reason, make sure that it gets out that you left for the right reason. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Contro- like, control the story. I, 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 I told the guy he was getting fired uh, from a job, and I said, hey, you've got to go into the athletic director tomorrow and tell him you want to write the release of why you're leaving. So it went from um, being fired to, to another story, but you know that makes him look a lot better. And that happens in this business all the time, and sometimes you can read between the lines. Um, but for me – you know, I struggled with it just because all I had ever done is coach basketball. And it was my, it's my life and it still is my life now. And I was like, what am I going to do? And luckily I had a, a supportive wife and, and three kids to keep me busy. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, I, I think anytime you get out of coaching, you think like nothing can replace it. But you, you pretty, you know, as long as you keep yourself busy, you'll find something that, you know, can can fulfill your needs just like coaching did. Yeah, I, I don't like. I, I, we've talked about that before. Both Smalls and I trying to replace a little bit of that void of like not being in the locker room and like not being on the sidelines and getting to compete every day and a lot of different things and feeling like you really, you know, impact people. And I think that this interview was really awesome for that reason, Chad. Like you're still, you know, impacting different guys. It might not be eighteen to twenty two year old kids, so maybe it's a, a little less volatile than it was before for you, but. uh <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I love what I do. And I always say I, I like what I do now because I know, you know, 10 years from now, there, there are coaches that, you know, when they tell their kids about how they got their first job, I'll be part of that story. And, and just knowing I was able to help coaches move up in this business really gives me a lot of satisfaction. Well, how can guys, if they listen and they want to get in touch with you, Chad, how can they get in touch with you? You know, just go to my website and then it has all my contact information. It's capitaleliteagency.com. And, uh, you know, or you can check me out at Cap Elite Agency on Twitter uh, and give me a follow and I'll get back to you. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks for your time this morning. And I hope, uh, I don't know what you, what people with kids do on New Year's Eve. I guess you stay you, up and watch Do you want to know what I'm doing today? Do you really want to know? <laughs> you're go- I, I'm assuming you're going to like yeah, Lowe's no, or something. No, he's going to like three it's, games, it's, right? It's, wor- it's worse. It's worse. So my wife, you know, yesterday is like, hey, you got to take the kids out and do something. You've been, you know, watching basketball and talking to clients. So she's like, there's a place called Ninja Lab up in uh, half an hour from here. And you know those shows where you like try to like uh, do all these yeah, obstacle Ninja courses? Warrior. American Ninja yeah, Warrior. Yeah, Ninja Warrior. So I'm taking my three kids and myself to this Ninja Lab. And I'm going to try to like, you know, go up in this salmon ladder or whatever they call it in this uh, balance beam. So I'm trying to figure out a way that I can not do it and my kids do it with me watching. Oh, man. Well, we will not keep you from Ninja Lab any longer. Thank you so much for the time. I had a great time. We had a great time talking to you, Chad. So hopefully if you're down in our neck of the woods, you know, give us a shout. We can watch some basketball together. Or we'll see you in the final four, I'm assuming. All right, awesome.